the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. We are hitting that time of year where things are getting interesting as we're moving towards Christmas and the markets are upset. Yesterday went from a bad day to a pretty miserable day. Um, it can happen that kind of fast as a shift. It started with volatility in October. We've got two seminars coming up this weekend in San Jose that hopefully can offer you a little bit of a insight in how to ride out rough markets and what to do in rough markets. Uh, I think Something like Apple took 10 years trying to grow their wealth up $190 billion, and they've lost it in a month. Wow. It's pretty impressive. So come out to the big event Saturday in San Jose at the Rotary Center. There's a lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, CFP Chad Burton's on the line here to talk about the two events. One's going to be for wealth preservation and income and retirement plus taxes. Another one is going to be uh, on how to create wealth. Mr. Burton, you sent me an email that's a little bit on the cryptic side. It says yeah. income need yep. example. Was there something before that that you wanted to set it up with? Or were we just talking about no, income? No, not really. It's, it's hard. It's, it was, it's hard to kind of bullet point it out without really talking about um, the different approaches that you can take for retirement income planning. Because you might have you know four people with the same income need. But they might have four different portfolio types. In other words, one person might be retiring with everything in a pre-tax 401k. One person might be retiring with almost everything in uh, you know, one highly appreciated stock. Um, some people might re- be retiring with more than enough, and their main goal is to get money on to the next generation with the least amount of taxes. Um, and you know, one person might not have quite enough. So they might all have the same income need right now, but it's kind of just a way to go over how interesting these tax cuts are. And Rob, did you know that the capital gains bracket is still based on old income numbers from prior to 2017? Which is a good thing, right? Or is it a bad thing? It can't be. It's just, it's just confusing. It's, it's hard to kind of run okay. it as projections. But you know, you can have, um, first of all, the, the thing that changed the most is the standard deduction. Most people now in America will be taking the standard deduction. If it's 12000 if you're single, 24000 if you're married, filing jointly. So the first 24000 is totally tax-free. And then if you're looking at ordinary income, like from your employer or self-employed income, um, you, you, the first 10% is nineteen? The first nineteen thousand is taxed at ten percent, and then the next nineteen thousand to seventy-seven thousand four hundred is at twelve percent. But the capital gains bracket still running off the old numbers, so you can have a zero percent tax on your stock sales or your mutual fund sales if your taxable income is under the seventy-seven thousand dollar range. So the idea here is is that if depending on what your goals are, you might need to blend your income, either all from your IRA 
all from selling stock or maybe even doing some Roth conversions if your main goal is to get money onto the next generation. Point is, you can have six figure income and be at less than a 12% effective rate. So that's pretty interesting. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a question for you. Um, because where I'm going out with this, I think makes sense for me putting it in my world. Um, I have a good salary. Um, I'm not earning any income off my stock investments. I am, but I'm reinvesting it. So you're basically saying when I hit retirement, I'm going to have to kind of learn, or even before I hit retirement, I'm going to have to learn how to kind of get my salary that I get now replaced with income for my assets. And it's going to be fine for me because I've got plenty of assets to work with, but for a lot of people, they don't. And you have taxes and you've got other things to consider to try to put together the recipe of, of uh, how much you're going to get in retirement. I just looked at my social security statement yesterday. I'm going to be getting about $3,300 a month. Woohoo! <laughs> um, but, but I don't know anything else. Does that sound, am I into this? Am I, am I getting it that how difficult it's going to be for me? Yeah, and you're at that really tough age, Rob, because you know you just hit the the big five zero, right? Oh, and stop it, please. Usually, for people in the last five years that were under forty five, we would assume, yeah, here's a, a statement from Social Security, but let's make sure you can retire without it, because you're starting to talk, you're starting to hear issues of budget deficits, and if these tax cuts come through, but the trade issue lingers on and creates a slowdown we're going to see a pretty big increase in budget deficits, which means these tax cuts are going to go away in 2026. And these tax cuts kind of made it worse for Social Security and Medicare, unless the economy really heats up over 4%. Long story short is, you know, I, I would, if at 50 or below, I would ignore your Social Security statement. Because if it's okay. there, it's going to be replaced by a much higher tax situation. And then I'm not... I suffer a little anxiety, and then I'm starting to get the anxiety of, like, all the fires in California. Will I be able to stay in California? Because i got to imagine we're going to raise taxes, right, to pay for more fire prevention. And that's stressing yeah, me out because we're already a high-tax state. Yeah, and a lot of the conversations that we're having with people that are contacting us is, is you know, exiting California. Where can I afford to, or where can I better afford to retire or just not deal with the taxes? Now, once we go through a tax projection with people because of the way the taxes actually work in retirement, trading your, if you have a low property tax as a Prop 13, a lot of times it doesn't pan out that much to move out of the state and move away from friends and family versus, um, you know, stay in state and pay what ends up being usually in about an effective yield of about, or effective rate of about 6% for a lot of people in California in the middle income range. Um, so you, you have to, before you say, I'm going to move out of California, do some careful tax projections. But I mean, yeah, these fires and everything else, it's, we keep saying with global warming that the Northwest is the new California. I know. I know. I said that a couple of years ago, that uh, the Bay Area is turning into LA and Portland's turning into San Francisco as far as the weather goes. So enjoy it. Enjoy it while you're leaving me in a desert. Um, big events coming up Saturday. We don't do a lot of Saturday events, so this is kind of fun. It's in San Jose. It's it's inside, so you can get out of the smoke, which obviously is a good thing. You're doing an event from 9.30 to 11.30. What can we expect? Well, first of all, we talk about 
you mentioned the term wealth preservation, right? What does that mean? Because it's harder and harder to retire and just live off of the income with assets, right? Back in, you know, when I got into the business, people could say, I'm, I'm going to invest. It was really more like 40% stocks, 60% bonds. Stocks paid, you know, 3 3.5% dividends. Bonds were yielding about 55 6%. So most people could afford the next 15, 20 years and just live off of the income. We're not there right now. Bond rates are at 3%. Uh, dividends on stocks that are not super interest rate sensitive are more like two and a half percent. Now, are there stocks that pay more than that? Yes, but they got crushed when interest rates went up. So you have to be careful. So the wealth preservation means markets will treat you very, very well over 10, 15, 20 years. Unless you either panic at the bottom, you get too greedy at the top, or you're forced to sell to pay your expenses when the declines come. Seven out of 10 years are positive, three out of 10 years are negative. So what you do in those three out of 10 years determines whether or not you're gonna be able to preserve your wealth. And so if you have enough cash to live off of and dividends and interest from your stocks and bonds and maybe rental income, and you know that, yeah, the market's gonna have the 20 to 40% corrections at least twice during your retirement, but if you aren't forced to sell, you'll be okay. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. The event's from 9.30 to 11.30, and then I'm going to do one from 1 to 3. You can learn more about the events by going to his webpage, newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25. You probably shouldn't be coming to both because one's more different than the other. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of data there. Use code RADIO25. Talk to you soon, Chad. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black in the middle of wildfires in California. Uh, one of the things I highly, highly recommend is, is documenting everything you own for the insurance companies. Um, and, and try not to get too caught up in, in the investments in PG&E and Edison International. I own neither. They're an index fund, so I probably own some passively. But both stocks have been pretty beaten up in the last year. But they're going to get some reprieve in the next year. 2018 is not covered by a new bill that basically says that they can raise rates to help cover the cost of wildfires. That hits them. And I know you're going, that pisses me off. There's some language in it that they have to um, keep their equipment safe. But I just saw that the Santa Barbara fire last year, Edison International, took them about a year to say that, yeah, it was probably their equipment that sparked one of the two blazes. Yeah, probably. Oh, good golly. So in short term, fires are, are very, very expensive. And we're, we as a nation are going to have to seriously stop and say, why are we rebuilding here? You take a look at the hurricanes and the hurricanes and where they're heading. Insurance companies, they're, they're going to say, you know, we can't keep paying this out. Or we're going to raise rates, and then they raise rates, and they have to go through the state commissioners. And the state commissioner goes, well, yeah, you kind of, you're in a bad situation here. And it's a lot of money. So that's heavily on my head right now. And there's many angles. There's the who's to blame. There's the, the cost rebuild. Think if you're a business. 
think of the businesses that you know uh, need power and electricity to operate and water and lack of smoke and the lawsuits are going to be coming out of that so you're talking about how expensive this is going to be pg&e could face as much as five billion in liabilities that comes on top of last year's deadly fires that hit them to the tune of 17.3 billion um for, for the state to pay firefighters and insurance companies and homeowners the the Blaze just alone in Butte is going to be about $19 billion. So it ain't cheap. Right now, there's over $2 billion of homes at risk. And of course, there's lives. And I don't talk about the lives. And that's, that stinks. Right? So get some photos. Um, do your part of, of, of knowing your insurance claims process. Insurance claims processes are never fun. You know, I... I have in-laws who lost a home last year in Santa Rosa, and they're not, they haven't been made whole for what it's worth today. But then again, they've been paying on insurance rates from 5, 10, 15 years ago. Fortunately, that wasn't the case with them because that's, that's what most people do. They, they never update their, their, their coverage. You need to update your coverage. So that's out there. Um. I don't really care about talking about Amazon. It just doesn't feel right right now. And during the commercial break, when the radio station played a commercial for how PG&E is going to save you money on your bill, you know, because they care about you. And I, I'm not mad at PG&E because I think it's a flaw. I think our building codes are flawed in California. I, I think we live in denial that we do live in wildfire country. Um, is there equipment to blame? Yeah. It certainly looks that way. And... Uh, you forget. I, I mean, I remember this well because when I came to the Bay Area, do you remember the rolling blackouts? We are a nation. We are a country. Excuse me. We are a country. Listen to me. California would be the sixth largest country in the world if it was, you know, dropped from the United States. So we forget that the fires or the rolling blackouts were a real thing in California. And do you know Fannie, uh, not Fannie Mae, excuse me, do you know PG&E went bankrupt? They filed for bankruptcy. But we need the power, right? They're too big to fail is what it comes down to. It's like the banks. We've decided, the Federal Reserve decided a couple years ago when there was a banking crisis on mortgages, we got to step and give them money. Too big to fail. General Motors was filing, it was in basically in bankruptcy, and, and our federal government said we have to give them money. Then you get Trump saying things where he's like, California, you're, you're being irresponsible, so we, you may not get federal money. And 40% of the forests in California are run by the federal government. So that's not good. Um, but even more importantly, I'm hearing people go, well, then you may not get federal tax. You may not get our federal tax money. That's true. So anyhow, that's just heavily on my mind right now. And the best thing you could do is buy a respirator if you're in the Bay Area. Plus, on top of it, document your homes. Um, I grew up at a time where I... I I was fearful of earthquakes in California. Um, earthquakes aren't killing the number of people that wildfires are. And the long-term health risks of, of breathing this stuff, not good. I'm surprised at how many people I see out jogging right now. So California set ultimately to decide whether PG&E is too big to fail. Lawmakers have you know, decided to let them pass on the cost to you and me. So the cost of living in California just got more expensive with these fires. 
because PG&E is going to say, you know, we got to run commercials to make us look good. But on top of that, we have to, you know, they're going to be liable for a lot of money. So that's out there. Now, switching it back to the markets, Amazon says it's going to go to New York City and uh, Northern Virginia in an effort. Some people think that's where the 53-year-old Jeff Bezos wants to be, spend more time. That cities like Nashville never had a chance. But Nashville's getting, you know, a nice little feather in its hat with a new operation center. Um, Mario Cuomo said he would change his name to Amazon Cuomo if Amazon chose New York. So it'll be interesting to see if he honors that. See, the stories just aren't quite... They're not popping right there, are they? And and it kind of stinks. Crude oil hits its lowest level since December as record-breaking losing streak continues. Um, Is that Saudi Arabia trying to say, Mr. Trump, President Trump, we'll give you cheaper oil right now if... You back off on the whole murdering of the Turkish reporter issue. Anyhow, Dow has been playing with up and down today. Yesterday was a rough day. White House economic advisors are clashing as uh, Larry Kudlow says Navarro's China's comments were not authorized. It appears that we are negotiating with China on trade, but not in the headlines. So now there's some infighting. And we saw Draymond Green and... uh, Kevin Durant last night fight for three or four minutes in an overtime, just yelling at each other. It's not good when you have White House policymakers not agreeing. So is a low coming for the stock market? I don't know. Let's talk to briefing.com when we come back from break and, and figure out where we're going. Big seminar coming up Saturday in San Jose. There's one in the morning from 930 to 1130 for people who are wealthy. And there's one in the afternoon for people who want to create wealth. You can learn more by going to robblackshow.com and use the code radio 25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Talking money and investing trying to get you towards retirement. A little bit of a bump in the stock market yesterday. We went from down 100 to 200 to 600. It was one of those days where you look up at the screen and go, whoa, that's a big one. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com to give us some perspective on what's happening in October through mid-November inside the stock markets. Mr. O'Hare, you have a clear, concise answer like you usually do? Thanks Thanks for coming, obviously. Uh, what do you make of these markets? Um, it's been a rough 45 days. It's been a volatile 45 days. Yeah, you know, it sure has. And, um, I mean, you can see uh, in, in terms of the breakdown of the major indices, what, you know, one of, one of the driving catalysts, uh, you know, from a stock-specific standpoint, has been these widely held, you know, uh, technology shares and these mega-cap uh, momentum stocks, you know, the Facebook, the Amazon, the Netflix, the Google, uh, Apple now. Um, and, and you know, their, their sheer weight of that of that grouping has applied some pressure to, to these broader indices. But the, really the bigger issue at hand, though, is that you have a market that I think is, you know, as a forward-looking entity is, is staring off into the horizon and is clearly worried about um, the pace, a uh, slower pace of global growth contributing to a, a slower pace of earnings growth. And uh, so there's a number of forces that are lining up to contribute to those concerns, such as rising interest rates, um, 
you know, various reports from corporate America about how input costs are going up. So there's worries about profit margin pressures um, showing up in the future here. Uh, you, know, you have a stronger dollar that's, that's factoring into the mix. And, uh, and clearly you're seeing within the data itself, uh, particularly in, out of China and Europe, that things are, are slowing down. So, uh, so you've had a market that was, you know, priced for perfection in many ways, uh, and it's rolling back now on this notion that things may not be so easy and so perfect in, in the coming months, particularly with the Federal Reserve, uh, you know, sounding as if it's very much inclined to keep raising interest rates. So how far can we go? Um do we go from correction to bear market, or is it a kind of a wait and see? Because it looks like 65 to 70% of the stocks in the market have already corrected. Um, do they have further to go? Right. You know, it's, it's a great observation, Rob, and it's a very difficult question to answer because you also have to okay. take into account uh, crowd psychology, right? And, you know, and there's just no telling uh, when emotion takes over just how far you can go. Um, you know, the market itself, you know, trades at about 16 times forward 12-month estimates, so it's not egregiously overvalued here. Um, and, you know, as you rightfully point out, uh, you've got three-quarters of the S&P 500 in a correction already. So, um, so, so we've seen, you know, a lot of these concerns get priced in, and, and I think that uh, what you're in, what you're likely to see here into year end is, is this um, is volatility, obviously increased volatility, with an inclination to sell into strength on rallies because uh, because the market is not comfortable yet that the Federal Reserve is going to um, take a pause uh, from its interest rate cycle here, and uh, and it continues to worry about you know trade issues and uh, and so there's you know someone clear uncertainty around those important elements, and until it kind of can get its mind around, uh, you know, a positive resolution on either of those fronts, uh, it's likely to continue to be inclined to sell into strength. So you might see things that, you know, where you're looking really good one day, and then all of a sudden it's not looking so great the next uh, because of that uh, lingering uncertainty. With that said, Home Depot came out and blew away numbers this morning. So there's something positive about the economy, the employment numbers are great. There's a little bit of wage inflation. Um, am I digging too deep and I should just uh, help myself by cutting loose and saying, no, oh, it is what it is. Should I, um, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Right, I mean, they're, 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 you know, uh, that, that's kind of one of the, the befuddling things here, I think, for a lot of people is they watch how the stock market reacts in the face of U.S. data that looks pretty good still, right? You're still getting solid GDP growth. You know, you have an unemployment rate that's, that's at, what, like a 40-year low or so. Um, and, you know, and you see these, you know, these very elevated levels of consumer confidence, uh, you know, that are geared or that are rooted in the consumer's view about uh, income growth prospects as well as job security, right? And that's all good, and it should be good for spending activity. Uh, and that's an important component because consumer spending accounts for, for you know, close to 70% of U.S. GDP. Um, but 
but you know, again, it, it's it's about uh, the market taking in. I think the global landscape and, and starting to uh, ingest this fear that the troubles abroad will start to you know make their way uh, into the U.S. At the same time, the Federal Reserve here is going to be raising interest rates and and trying you know and, and effectively applying some brakes to um, to the economic momentum we've been seeing here. So uh, you know, and tellingly. I mean, you've got Home Depot. You know, they had some impressive headline figures. Obviously, uh, raised their guidance. The stock's down. You know, almost three percent today. Um, you know, as an aside, I think there were some concerns about the quality of the earnings growth in the, in the third quarter, given that you know, a lower tax rate and share buyback activity, you know, helped uh, uh, helped increase things, if you will. Um, so I think that that's factoring in somewhat, but. Um, but again, you know, you just have this this cloud hanging over the market right now uh, uh, about you know about growth concerns and and also about you know the price action too, right? You're not seeing this uh, patented by the dip rally, the V-shaped recovery that everyone's come to expect following you know big corrections here, and um, you know, and more recently we've obviously had. Uh, you know, Apple issued disappointing guidance that's been corroborated now by several of its suppliers uh, cutting their guidance. Uh, and so that just feeds into these concerns about slower global growth as well as just peak growth in general. I saw that uh, Apple's lost $190 billion in market cap in 45 days. And I just go, easy come, easy go? Or is it a buying opportunity? In big names like that, do you get excited or case by case? Any, any thoughts on what you would tell you know, maybe one of your kids who is enamored with a stock um, that's fallen a lot? Right. Uh, what yeah, advice? Well, I, I, right. I, I, think it, I think the you know, advice is you know, that uh, depending on your, your time horizon, you, know, you should kind of welcome these, these price pullbacks. You know? I mean, uh, obviously Warren Buffett always does, right? You know, he, I don't know how many times you've heard over the years uh, him cheer uh, when stock prices come down, you know, right. <laughs> it gives them an opportunity to deploy cash, you know, at more attractive levels uh, that enhance the long-term return potential of that investment. And uh, you know, Apple is certainly a, this this you know behemoth that's not going anywhere and. And uh, it's a huge cash-generating machine that's going to, you know, bode well, I think, for shareholder returns, you know, for some time. And, um, it, you know, so, so it does, you know, um, create some good opportunity, I think, uh, in a name like that, certainly for someone with a long-term orientation. But, um, uh, you know, but you have to take into account, too, that, you know, the near term could be a little bit dicey. So, um, you know, as, as worries pick up about, you know, iPhone demand and, you know, iPhone has been their great profit generator. And so they're trying to transition to more of that services model, which, you know, could create some disruption over the, the near term here. But obviously, they're just uh, have a fortress balance sheet, you know, market leadership position and great management. Uh, it's a nice combination that usually resolves itself in a favorable way for someone with a patient mindset. Do you care about Amazon going to New York City, Long Island, and uh, Crystal City, Virginia, or is that just PR? Did you read anything into the announcement that just came through? You know, I don't read anything into it other than uh, I think it just it, 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 it's a very 
encouraging sign about how there's growth and uh, from that particular company and, and how they're reinvesting, you know, uh, to, to meet the pickup and end demand. I mean, they create a lot of jobs, obviously, in those markets, uh, and that's never a bad thing. So, um, so kudos to Amazon um, for having that opportunity, and I think it's going to be a um, you know welcome development for uh, you know New York City and, and certainly Northern Virginia as well as Nashville, where they're going to be establishing a new distribution center, I believe, too. You know what? I read into it, and uh, I want to give my opinion. I read into it that Nashville doesn't have the attraction of tech workers and that New York City and uh, Crystal City, Virginia, Amazon's going to be able to put people there that make $100,000 and there's just not enough educated people. And that's a mean thing to say. It's not. There's just not enough master's degrees and bachelor degrees uh, in Nashville, per se, and the operations is a little bit easier. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to get tech workers. I- well, I graduated from Vanderbilt, which is, which is in Nashville. So, um, so you know, enough. so I, I, I kind of have a bias that I think there is some qualified uh, labor there coming out of uh, you know Vanderbilt, uh, but. Um, but you know it's hard to say. I mean, I mean they obviously took a very deliberate uh, look at you know how they could um, work with various cities and the infrastructure and, and all of those other things about a labor pool that would be available to them. And, and you got to believe they made a, a very conscientious decision that they think is going to be the best suited for their you know long term profit potential. So um, you know, so I don't read too much into that. Um, and I think Nashville would be just be happy to have that distribution center, uh, those jobs coming their way. It's all good stuff. Thank you so much, and uh, congratulations on Vanderbilt. Great school. You can find more at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. I start my day every day uh, checking out page one. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So, I'm sorry that I do this, but I do. I look at everything in the news from a financial lens. I look at everything on television from a financial lens. I try to figure things out. Um, I try to tie pieces together. And I think the big one that I'm doing today, just in my head, is the wildfires. So I wake up, I live 200 miles from the fire, and uh, there's ash on my car. And I see people you know, walking around with the mask that cover their mouth. That's not good enough. You need a respirator need something to filter that stuff really kind of thing and i go okay so there's gonna be some health concerns down the road right but really the thing that hits me the hardest right now is people losing everything i had some in-laws um lose their house last year in santa rosa and they're still fighting the insurance companies not fighting just documenting trying to say well we had this and we had that and they don't have a lot of proof of it and what they paid and things along those lines. Now, you can get it kind of in the ballpark, right? But is ballpark going to be good enough? I could tell you that financially, they're coming up shorter. They, they, they weren't made whole. And that kind of stinks. So a big old trio of wildfires are burning through northern and southern California right now. And it's going to cost insurers and homeowners a lot of money. Now, for the homeowner, I want you to start thinking things like the claims process. And you may know someone. I know someone whose house burned down last year. And this one's even worse. Um, so it's, it's worth mentioning, you have a cell phone. Go take pictures of things in your home. Go take pictures. Start with important documents. 
social security card, anything else, before you go out and run and get a uh, fireproof safe, start with taking some pictures today. You can do it. Then you maintain images of your belongings in, in your home. Keep them in cloud storage. Forget the fireproof safe. What you're going to spend on the fireproof safe, well, I'm not going to say forget the fireproof safe, but also throw it into the cloud. Um, average homeowner losses, you know, property damage, um, fire and lightning, wind and hail. Fire is the most expensive thing that we're dealing with right now. And uh, it's, it's worthy of note. You should know your coverage. I know, I know, I know. That guy was a real nice guy who sold you the policy. And this is one of the things I, I, I try to do, and it, it, I get less patience as I get older, is when you're talking to someone who's a, who's a professional, don't get caught up like telling them about your kids. Don't get caught up telling them about, like, oh, what did you do today, Joe? Um, oh, I had a great latte. You should come meet me for a latte. If he, know your coverage. Coverage foots the bill for hotel stays. Does it? Yes or no. Does it you know, cover meals if your dwelling is uninhabitable? Insurers have coverage limits when it comes to paying for those costs, capping the amount that they're willing to do. How much does it cost to repair? How much does it cost to rebuild? Your insurer will send a claims adjuster to assess the damage, and it may recommend a contractor to provide you with estimates. Sometimes those contractors, and, and trust me, um, you know, I had some car damage, and I use Geico. Geico was like, come on in, you know, we'll take a look at it. So I go to them. They didn't come to me. USAA used to come to me, so I think, okay, so the service is lacking a little bit. But then they recommended auto body shops that I could take it to. Um, let's say it was $5,600 what Geico looked at. Well, I took it to an independent auto body shop, and they said, no, it's, it's more like 7400 I'll show you why. Here's where they said they're going to do this. Well, you got a joint down there that's busted now, and that joint gets into a second accident, and you die. So you got like, to know what your coverage is going to cover. And then you also got to know, can you go to somewhere else to get a second estimate? You got to watch for catches. There could be limitations on the policy. If your whole house burned down, it used to be that you had a guaranteed replacement. You know, insurers start to rethink this and apply an absolute limit on what they'll pay. For instance, let me give you an example. A homeowner's policy that covers a replacement cost of your home will pay out the cost of replacing your damaged home with a similar dwelling in the current market. Some companies may cap that replacement cost at 20% over the face value of the policy. If your replacement value is $1 million, then you can get coverage for up to $1.2 million. Now, you have to update your coverage, too. You can't be living in your coverage from 1990 when your house was worth $100,000 and the property was worth $400,000. Property is fine. So it's got some scorch marks on it. They're not going to pay for that. They're going to pay for the property damage. And you, you paid a policy for $100,000, even though contractors, they're not, they're not lowering their prices. They're not going to give you a fire discount. In fact, they're going to do a, a premium. Whoever pays the most gets the work done first. Not every contractor, but I've seen it. I've seen it in my case. Insure, insurance companies may not cover the extra cost of bringing your damaged home up to new building codes, including upgrading your wiring and elevating the dwelling to curb flood risk. So if you disagree with the resolution of your claim, take your complaint to your insurer's consumer relations department. You have rights. Um, have an emergency plan. So 
like I said, get to know your insurance coverage on everything. Figure it out in your car today. So, by the way, like the Oakland Hills fires, a lot of people hadn't updated their policy in 20, 30, 40 years. And a lot of Californians uh, are lifers. You know, they're not moving around often, so they're not getting new coverage. You've got to update that coverage. We have $2 billion worth of homes at risk right now. Wildfires are continuing to rage across the state. Oh, boy, $2.6 billion in residential properties. That's not even including commercial properties. Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show. Don't forget, big event coming up. You can sign up for it. It's this Saturday in San Jose. This will be a wealth preservation and a wealth creation event in the afternoon. There's separate events, one's in the morning, one's in the afternoon. Learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.